Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi everyone, Simon here from Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode, which is a first for me. Today I've got two guests, uh, which is going to be interesting to see how I handle two people on a podcast, but we'll see how it goes. We've got uh, Brady, Brady Mullen, and we've got David Berg as well. And today they're going to talk to us, particularly on the topic and, and help us out with the realisation and the importance of health. Health uh, is as us as entrepreneurs and business owners. And we've just been talking about how this is going to uh, pan out with a, a global audience, but we'll see where it goes. So welcome, Brady, and welcome, David. Tell tell us first, Brady, a little bit about yourself, and then, then we'll come on to David, and we'll see if we can work out how to handle both of you at the same time. Thank you. Uh, great to be here, Simon. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm Brady. I'm with selfemployed.health, and we we put this together because our passion is helping entrepreneurs with healthcare. I had a, a, a horrible experience with the healthcare system about 10 years ago when I was a budding entrepreneur. And that's been a, a, a thorn in my side for a long time, trying to work out solutions to provide entrepreneurs with a healthcare, with a healthcare solution that works for them. Yeah. And we'll, we'll hear a lot more about that story as we get on. We're going to dig into that story a little bit more. And you're based in, in Denver, Denver in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, great. And apparently, it's still been snowing there. So uh, yeah, we haven't seen snow. We haven't we haven't seen snow in the UK for for months now. So uh, even though we got about two inches, brought the whole country (laughs) to a grinding halt. David, tell tell the listeners a little bit about you, the business, and uh, give us an idea of where you are as well. Um, Sure. Thanks for thanks for having me, Simon. Uh, So my my wife and I, uh, two physicians, moved from Canada to Phoenix to start a healthcare company in 1995, so 25 years ago. And in the process of doing that, we had to learn about the U.S. healthcare system. And uh, what we learned was that the the traditional insurance-based system here in the United States really was not working very well for our employees. We created uh, a a business that is now called Redirect Health that is for small, medium-sized businesses just like ours and the people that work for those businesses, just like ours, but we created it so that um, the access to healthcare would be meaningful and it would be truly affordable. And we had to shift the mental model and create a brand new system and create new structure. And while in the beginning we did it just solve our own problem, it turned into a solution that many of our business friends um, in uh, at that time, Young Entrepreneurs Organization, I noticed you've got Vern Harnish's Scaling Up book right behind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your left shoulder. And uh, yeah, Vern and I go back a long time and, and I love, I love Vern. I love the stuff he's done. Uh, but some of our friends in YO were having the same trouble. So we, I started helping them with the same solution that I'd put in place. It's a business solution, basically, that created a new healthcare structure for our employees. And it worked so well. Fast track forward. Um, we're now in all 50 states helping over a thousand small businesses manage their, uh, their health plans. So they, they spend on average probably about 30% less. Um, with more benefits than they would if they were in a traditional system. But it's a different model, different system, different way of thinking about it. There's definitely a mindset shift. And, um, and Brady's been, been kind enough to 
um, introduced us to some of his network and to put our solution in place with people he knows. So what brought the two of you together then? So, you, you know, you're both in your individual businesses, obviously very keen and passionate about health and uh, allowing business owners, entrepreneurs to have access to that much needed health cover and health care. What brought the two of you together? Brady? Well, I was, I was passionate looking for solutions and I had tried a few and were, we would tweak things as things uh, needed tweaking. And when I came across Redirect Health and started working with them and you know, for, for lots of reasons, I really enjoyed working with them, but they had, we felt like we had a, a similar mindset as to the current system isn't serving people. It isn't working for, especially the group that I was passionate about, small business people. And, um, you know, frankly, one of the things that I loved about Redirect and the people that I work with, including David there, is, is that it's not a, a system where it's, if you, if you don't like what we're doing, we're probably not a good fit. It was what, what are we doing that, that you like, what can we do better? Because they recognized, you know, it wasn't like he brought a model into the U S and, and said, Hey, everybody's going to bend around what we want. It was, Hey, something's not working. Let's try to dig into that and see what it is and provide the solution for other people. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we tried several different providers for healthcare. We tried melding two different components together in some cases and uh and some of them fairly successfully and some of them yeah. poorly and we started working with redirect health and it's just been a night and day difference between hey let's solve this problem how can we improve how can we how can we get this out to people that need it yeah it's, it's interesting you say that because you know as, as we were talking before the recording started about you know obviously you cover the u.s and i was uh, yeah, we we're talking about the global issues of, of health. And you're absolutely right. You know, even here in the UK, and I'm sure listeners uh, in other countries will be realizing the same, that very often any kind of healthcare provision, particularly when it's provided into businesses for their team, for their staff, for their business owners, it, it is a one solution and you either take it or leave it. And it either comes at a budget which you can afford, which a lot of them are for big corporates, and larger companies certainly here in the UK, very, very few. I can't think of many small clients, certainly a lot of my clients, really struggle to get convinced to take any kind of health insurance out, any health cover, any kind of scheme, whatever it is, whatever format it is, because it, they feel that there's this big, huge monster of healthcare provision that they've got to buy into, and it doesn't fit with them. It doesn't fit with their values. It doesn't fit their style. So I'm glad to hear that you formed a relationship because of the way that you can work together and uh, be flexible to work with each other as well. That's really great to hear. You know, it's interesting, Simon, that you talk about the, um, the people that the small business owners, entrepreneurs in the UK, they have this perception that healthcare is this big monster mm. and um, they do here in the United States too. And it's part of the, the mental model that everything is built around with our insurance system here. And it basically goes like this. If you don't buy from us, the insurance companies, yep. um, you will be subjected to uh, bankrupting costs. So you better work with us, right? And yes. all the structure is built around that and all the events are around that. Um, the first thing we had to do when we created our new system, because that didn't work for my business, just like you said, doesn't work for entrepreneurs. It no. didn't work for my mind. It didn't work for my employees. And it just, it just was not going to work short-term or long-term. So we just shifted 
are thinking to, hey, let's find a way where we can work together to eliminate the unnecessary activity, including the unnecessary visits to a doctor's office when we could just do it over the phone. Yeah. This is back in 2008. And, and let's make it truly affordable. And so if mm-hmm. we're, if we got people who are struggling to uh, make their rent at the end of the month or a car payment or even put food on the table, those are certainties every single yeah. day, every single week, every single month. Why would you go spend a dime on healthcare that you might or might not need next month or next quarter? Yeah. It makes no sense to put a dime into it. So it wasn't realistic. Uh, we were more afraid of that. When I say me, yeah. I don't mean me as the business owner, but I mean me yeah. as a company. We were more yeah. afraid of running out of money for food and shelter and transportation than we were healthcare, even though yeah. I was in the healthcare business. So our mm-hmm. system had to focus on the elimination of unnecessary time off work, the unnecessary activity, sure, unnecessary healthcare services too, but unnecessary act, um, co-pays and bills and paperwork yeah. and administration, yeah, yeah. all those things that take up time and, and money. And we built our structure around the elimination of things that just weren't needed. And yeah. those things that aren't needed are significant revenue for the American healthcare system. Yeah. So yeah. it serves us perfectly well. It does not serve the vendors of healthcare in, in America. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you're saying there, David, and for, for listeners who uh, are not even listening to this for healthcare side of things, there's a real lesson to be learned there about taking the solution that you provide and making it fit the needs of the audience that you're trying to attract and that you're trying to work with, isn't it? And not trying to just model something and then take that and think that you can shoehorn it and whack it hard enough in with the hammer so that it fits. Yeah, you've got to have that flexibility to uh, enable it to fit, haven't you? Yeah, it's amazing how much easier to build something if you know who the customer is. Absolutely. And who, the, who the consumer is. They are, yeah. They're often different people. The purchaser yeah. and the user are often different. Yeah. If you understand who they are and what their problems are, and you build around them, not the yeah. vendors who are trying to sell or price points, like you got to get there eventually. You got to consider all the other parts of the system, but it's a starting yeah. point. The foundation is... yeah. The customer and any entrepreneur can do that they've got yeah. customers they got yeah consumers build a system around them that yeah, maybe is different definitely. than what the peer groups are doing yeah so let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking today uh let's get into the the coffee part of the of the podcast so what are each of you drinking david i know you went off camera um a few minutes ago um what, what have you got to keep yourself hydrated i've got some some fresh arizona water right from the tap <laughs> and you'd expect Fancy. you'd expect that from a past uh, physician as well wouldn't you so uh, what else what else do you drink during the day both of you brady what do you what do, what are you drinking or what do you drink so my wife is from cordova spain and okay. she has to use those nestle you know everybody's using the keurig the german coffee makers she has to use the nestle one and uh but it's really good it comes out frothy and foamy and i i uh I drink that in the morning. I have a I have a coffee that nobody around here knows about. So yeah. she has to order them from Spain, even the little capsules that Does we she? put in it. But she won't compromise. Hey Brady, she wants. Hey Brady, you know. So the only coffee I see in my house ever is Canadian Tim Hortons or uh, coffee. Uh, Tim yeah, Hortons. once you get used to something, you can't let it go. Tim yeah. Hortons is an old Canadian hockey player that nobody knows from hockey, but he owns um, coffee shops. And uh, so we order them from Canada. That's the only thing I see in my house. What a, what <laughs> yeah. a pattern there with our women. 
There is, yeah. I think there's a pattern with us all there. And yeah, I'm very much a, a Starbucks fan. So, uh, you know, everything has to be Starbucks. I've got a pod machine and it's Starbucks and I've got the Starbucks now. Interestingly enough, my favorite coffee bar uh, is actually a coffee bar called Evelyn's, um, which is in Banff in Canada. Uh, and we used to go there every Christmas. We did about 15, 16 Christmases on the on the run there over in Banff or Jasper. And yeah, we used to love going there. That was as soon as we got the hotel, got unpacked, it was down to Evelyn's for you know, one of the huge muffins, blueberry muffins, and one of their fantastic coffees there as well. So uh, yeah, we all have those anchors, don't we, to our drinks? You know, Banff is so pretty. I think anything is nice in Banff. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I've never seen it in summer. I've only ever seen it in winter. You know, I've had businesses in Canada for over 20 years in Toronto and in Vancouver. Uh, but I've only ever seen Banff. Uh, I love Calgary. I love that whole area around there, but I've never seen it in summer. I've only ever seen it in winter. But it's still great. That's yeah, impressive. So thinking about your your model, think about your your business. You know, what's shifted? What's changed? Obviously, a lot has changed in, in the world. A lot has, has changed, particularly in the healthcare industries um, across the states and the way that things are, have been dealt with. What's been the latest or most significant thing that the two of you have have worked on or uh, fixed in the in the model? Well, I would I want to turn that over to Dave because I could listen to him forever talking about things that went wrong, things that were were not working right in the healthcare system and how they overcame that or how they deal with it differently. Because there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Like there's a there's a wizard behind the curtain that most people don't see going on in the healthcare system. And when you, when you, when you dig into it, the way redirect does, I, I love those stories just to hear mm. how, where things went wrong and how they get addressed. Over to you, Mendo. Tell us a little bit about the strategy stuff and a little bit more about what Brady's implied there. Well, your, your original question was about how things have changed and what that made me think about Simon was just how we have matured um, our mindset um, in a much more beneficial way, not just for us and our business and our profitability, but for our customer. And we've, we've matured and our mindset's matured and maybe it's mine has matured. Uh, but when I first started doing this, I was quite angry with the healthcare system and everybody attached to it because they weren't serving my company and, and my team and our, our families. And I, I saw them taking advantage of us. So I was quite angry with them. And there was a time where I was, I thought I was building this system. Where I was going to exclude the, everybody from making decisions except for us, meaning my employees, our family. And that also meant excluding the physicians, excluding the hospitals, the drug companies, the middlemen, the insurance companies, definitely um, the government, like excluding everybody from our system. And I realize now that it was an important first step to learn how to build it. But as we got bigger um, and we started doing tens of thousands of people, it made me realize we'd built a complex system that did not interface very well with the ecosystems of the business owners and the ecosystem of the, um, let's say of the healthcare system yeah. and, um, or the, or the people, let's say the people in the, in the business owner. So let's say the purchaser and the user, we had to interface, our system had to, in, had to interface with the ecosystems, two different ecosystems are already interfacing. Right. So you have an ecosystem of your business and profitability and and your suppliers and all the things you have to do. But then your employees also have 
um, families and constraints and travel and daycare and all kinds of other things going on in their family. And I hadn't considered their ecosystems enough. It definitely, mm -hmm. I didn't consider the interface. And what I've learned now as we've matured is that the, the best interface between um, us and the business community is the broker community. And it might not be 100% of them, but it's more than 10% of them. And there's a, there's a group of folks like Brady who, uh, who really genuinely care about making this work and they're a great interface with the business community. And similarly, um, there's a, an interface between the healthcare system and the people, and that tends to be some sort of primary care capability. So we were, we were playing that primary care capability, but we were excluding the primary care folks on the, on the ground and doing gotcha. their work for them. So we have now embraced the broker community in a much more intentional, purposeful way. And we've embraced the primary care community on the ground in a much more purposeful, intentional way. And that interface by itself has allowed us to make those two different ecosystems work with our system in a much better way. And, and that's such a complex model that you're working with there, because, you know, for many of the people listening to, to this, you know, they think their business is, is complexing itself, but very often they're, they're taking products, making them, selling them. And it's a very simple process. And as you say, they're the ecosystem. Yeah, they might have a couple of ecosystems, but you're working with so many there. And that I love the way you've talked about the maturity of bringing those more together. What kind of difference has that shift that you've made actually, what difference has it made to those end users then, the people who are getting that, that healthcare that they need? What kind of difference has that made to them, do you think? Well, you know, it, I think it's in the, the, the title of the book, which I now just rewrote. And really, I just rewrote the title with a little, with a different tone in it when I rewrote it. But it's the, uh, the first book was Fighting Healthcare. So it, and I would, so I would, in an, in a way that was suitable at the time, it was, hey, we're, we're all getting screwed. Come join me in this fight against this big monster that's hurt, trying to hurt us. But yeah. who wants to join somebody else's fight, if you really think about it? It's, it's a small group of people who are also angry with what's happening to them that want to join the fight. Yeah. So now our mindset, which matches the title book, is ending the fight. And now our mindset, uh, hey, the fight is over. If you want to stay where you are, where you're fighting already. Come over here where the fight has ended. Right. Gotcha. The new model, the fight is now over if you want it to be over. And so yeah. the concept of asking people to leave the fight they're in to join us in a peace peaceful um, re relationship with healthcare is much, it's a different way of running a business. It's a different way. We build different things. So the concept yeah. of, of tinkering with the machine and building the machine and get, making it better was an important thing for us to do. But at some point, the machine got good enough and it got really yeah. good enough. Yeah. And now it's about the interface with the people. So we, yeah. we focus much more on interfacing with the people, whether it's the business owners, the brokers, the primary care, the, the, the moms, the dads. Yeah. Yes. So many levels. Though. So, so building yeah, our interface is a way to invite them in an easier way, whether it's through yeah. an app, whether it's through the language we use to, Hey, come over here. This is peaceful land. We've solved this welcoming them to our world of yeah. truly affordable and accessible and uh, meaningful healthcare. Yeah. Where we don't have to fight for it anymore. So, so yeah, for, that maturity is coming yeah. out. 
that we weren't there. I wasn't there five years ago. I wanted, I want to fight everybody five years ago. So I was yeah. mad at what they were doing to me and to my friends, other entrepreneurs and, and to our, our teams and yeah. our families. And I just saw them taking advantage of us and I was angry at it. Yeah. Now it's okay. We got this one solved. Just come, now yeah. it's about interface. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's interesting uh, to see that, that shift and the way that you've talked about going from fight to the end of the fight. Absolutely. You know, we, we've had some protests, you know, small protests over here just recently and the people that go along to protest that go along to join the fight very often are quite destructive to the cause because they have their own fight. They're there. They're angry, as you say, aren't they for their, for their own reasons. And I know Brady, you've got a, a story that I, you know, I'd love you to share because, you know, we were talking before the recording about the fact that, you know, many business owners don't see their, their health, their protection of their health, making sure they're looking after the, the health of themselves, their business and people in their business as a priority and where the money goes on that. Um, but we all have a story behind that. And, and I'm going to find out more for you, David, about the, the book in a moment, but Brady, just, just share a little bit of a story because I, you know, I think the reason why we do what we do is really important. Simon Sinek talks about that in his book. So just share a little bit of your story, Brady, to, to put a bit of context into what David's just said there as well. Yeah. What gave, what put me on this track about uh, 11 years ago, I had a two-year-old daughter. She's 13 now. So that's okay. 11 years ago. And we had anybody with multiple kids, you just expect when one gets sick, it's going to go through the family. And when they're that age, you, you almost can't even avoid it as an adult, right? What are you going to not hold your two-year-old when they're crying? You're just, you just kind of expect like, all right, everybody brace yourselves. We're all going to get a cold if somebody gets it. Right. So she was, um, she was the second or third kid to get the cold. And so we just were going through the routine. All right, give her plenty of fluid, let her relax, let her sleep a little longer, whatever. Um, I don't remember those exact details, but just whatever any normal parent would do if your kid has a cold. And this, this two-year-old, she was still in diapers. You know, imagine your typical two-year-old, cutest thing on the planet. Uh, I don't say that about all my two, when all my kids were two-year-olds, they weren't all the cutest things on the planet, but this one was. <laughs> but she, uh, so it took a turn for the worse. And in my mind, so I was a, I was a, I had just become an entrepreneur. Money was tight. I was counting every penny. Um, my, my degrees in accounting. So I, I feel really proud of my spreadsheets and mm -hmm. was really proud of the healthcare uh, product that I had purchased for our family because it was the, it was one of those catastrophic plans where I'd pay all the costs up until $10,000. And then, you know, for something catastrophic, that's when I needed help. And theoretically that makes sense. And on my spreadsheets, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, and yeah. If it says it's on a spreadsheet, then that's, that's my, right. that's my Bible that works yeah. for me. Um, so when she was sick, the last thing on my mind was taking her to a doctor. Cause I had just had, you know, one or two other kids that had the same cold. They got better, went back to school or whatever. So I wasn't going to go pay a doctor, you know, hundred, $150 to tell me that my kid has a cold, right. Who wants to do that? Yeah. And so I didn't do anything other than just take care of my kid and help, help mom. And she helped me and we take care of, of this child. And then it took a turn for the worse. And I'm, I think this is probably true of most entrepreneurs. I'm eternally optimistic, right? I solve problems. My family is healthy. I don't go to the doctor. And, uh, and so I was 
looking back, I was probably in a little bit of denial also when she started to get worse. I was just like, well, she just needs a little more sleep or her medicine's wearing off. Give her another children's Motrin or whatever. See how it is tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Always kicking the can down the road. And then there was a really obvious point where she, I slept next to her just to keep an eye on her. And we were kind of at the point where, okay, this is something different. And she started breathing shallow. She started just acting really lethargic and I'm going to be really honest here and vulnerable, but it was, it was my wife that finally was like, we're done. Mm. I feel, I, I, I choke up when I tell that because it was, I feel like the worst parent ever as the story progresses, you'll see why, mm. but it still wasn't even me that was like, okay, she needs help. And I feel awful about that, but I learned a powerful lesson. So we take her to a doctor, we find an urgent care that's open that in and of itself is a hassle. Yep. We go into the doctor and, and up until then I'm still sort of, you know how it is when you get in a fight with your spouse, it's really hard to concede, right? You only concede when it's, when it's unavoidable, right? So I'm still thinking the doctor is going to tell us to give her plenty of fluids, let her rest. Um, but we get to the doctor, they, they start taking vitals and the, the thing that, and I was right, it was just a five minute appointment, but the doctor, you know, and it did cost 150 bucks if I can remember, but, um, you know, he saw her for five minutes and after reading the oxygen meter that they put on your finger to see what her oxygen was, he says, you need to take her to a hospital immediately. And the look on his face that changed everything for me because I could see that he was anxious about it and nervous. And, and all of a sudden the very last thing on my mind, I mean, I would have gone into debt the rest of my life and worked the rest of my life in, in servitude. If that meant You know, helping my daughter, like money was the last thing on my mind at that point. As soon as that happened, it was, you know, pull all the stops and let's get her the care that she needs. And I'm, I'm ashamed that it took me that long to get to that point, but that that's another, another story here. So we take her to the hospital, the closest hospital, which isn't specialized for children. It's just a typical hospital and the people they have on staff there can't get an IV in her. So her, her blood flow was low. Her oxygen was low. It was hard. And she's small, right? She's a toddler and they couldn't get the IV in her arm that they needed. And of course, mom and my hearts are breaking because anytime somebody walks through the threshold in that hospital room with whatever energy this two-year-old has left, she clings to whoever's holding her because she's learned that whoever walks through that door is going to poke her or touch her Mm -hmm. in a way that, that she's, you know, she just wants to hold mom or dad. Yeah. And they, they were, they weren't able to get an IV in her. So they, they, um, had us go to the children's hospital, which was about 30, 35 minutes away. And, you know, this, this is where you start going through the stages of grief as a dad, where you're like, I'll do anything. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're praying to any, anything that'll listen. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're just, you're, you're distraught and I feel I mean, horrible. I'm, so yeah, we take her to the children's hospital. They do get an IV in her. They start doing some imaging and it turns out that her one side of her, of her lungs. So one of her lungs was completely collapsed because of the fluid in her chest. And the other side was about uh, two thirds capacity. So she was about one third of total capacity of, of her lungs. And when they saw that in the imaging, they called the surgeon right away. The surgeon comes in and during the surgery, that's when I break down, right? I'm in the, I'm in the waiting room in the surgery room, bawling like a baby, because I felt you know, in, in at least some ways, this was my fault. I was trying to save $150 because my spreadsheet told me that I should do that, that because we're healthy people, this doesn't happen to us. And she's in the OR getting operated on as a toddler. And there's all sorts of risks with that, not just the surgery going well or poorly, but operating rooms, that's a dangerous place to yeah. be, right? You don't want to be there if you don't have to be. 
Um, so even the doctor comes out and he says, or the surgeon, and he says, that was one of the more, you know, everything's fine. It went as expected, but that was one of the more extreme cases for, you know, the ratio of fluid that we took out of her to body size was pretty high. So they took a liter of fluid out of a kid who, you know, whose head would go up to your thigh. If you're a normal size, you know, if you're my size. Right. So she's a kid and, and that the, the, the pain doesn't end there, right? She's, she's now, she still has a hole in her chest that's draining fluid. So she's strapped down. Um, well, she's, she's, you know, she's strapped to that thing and it's, yeah, it's yeah. draining into a bag and that hurts, right? She's got a hole in her chest and then the, the lungs don't just reinflate, right? They're not spring loaded. You have to, you have to force air into them. And so the nurse comes in every, I forget the interval, but every once in a while, a couple hours to do the therapy with her, to, to put something on her face and force air into her lungs, wow. which, but Pressure what I hear lungs. is that's like drowning, right? That's not a pleasant yeah. experience. Yeah. That's not, you know, getting a massage. That's, that's panicky. Yeah. And you can't tell a two-year-old that this is for your own good, right? Hey, we need this so that you'll get healthy. She has no idea why this is going on. She feels like mom and dad have betrayed her. And why are you letting these people do these things to me? So she was in the hospital for 10 days. You know, the story has a happy ending. She's a, a happy, vibrant, normal teenage girl. But, uh, but what I learned from that, A, the, the very simple lesson of like, don't, don't screw around with health, right? That Correct. I don't, I don't try to save $150 anymore. If my kid's not feeling well, we go get tested or whatever. But also I learned, you know, that I, I try to be forgiving of the person that I was then because I didn't know, I didn't know mm. what I didn't know until you learn that lesson. And I hear people all the time say, well, I, I don't, I don't need that. I'm healthy. I don't go to the doctor. And I've learned that like, well, that's what, that's true of almost everybody until you go to the doctor, you know, unless you get hit by a bus and you yeah. die immediately and you don't need doctor's help, you're going to need doctor's help someday. It's like, just like any other insurance type of, uh, of, you know, the reason we buy insurance as individuals is for things. I, I don't, I also don't crash my car, but I still buy car insurance, but I don't Correct. typically crash my car. That doesn't happen yeah. very often, but it could, and that could be yeah. a huge liability. So we'd do something about that. And, but health and health insurance or health care, you know, a strategy for that. Yeah. Uh, I realized that the, this guy, this 10 years ago person or 11 years ago person, I, that there were incentives. The healthcare system doesn't want me going to the doctor if, if I can, or if they can help it. So they put these barriers in your way, in the way of, you know, costs, co-pays, things like that. You have to have some skin in the game to see a doctor. But I see that that's a, that's a misalignment of incentives. What's good for me and my family is to, to have access to a doctor when we need it. If I could have made a phone call or had a video conference with a doctor right away and said, hey, can you help me see if my daughter's fine? Just a little triage really early on. If I can break yeah. down the barriers to fathers and mothers and, and individuals, like this could be for myself too, like address health early. And if we can put something in place that makes that easy and take away those barriers and make it simple to talk to a doctor and say, hey, something's not right. What should we do? Okay, it's no big deal. That's one thing. Or, you know, we should probably get that checked if I can break down those barriers, that's meaningful. Yeah. And I mean, that's such a, a powerful and incredible story. And and thank you for being vulnerable in sharing that. And, you know, I, I know the listeners will take such heart from that. And it's, it are, it is those stories. It's those things that you shared just there that really the listeners should do something about. Yeah. I, I've always been a fan in all my business, you know, we're very privileged here in the, in the UK to have a great national health service. But I know that when I need some kind of health care, I don't want to have to wait six months or 12 months. Yeah, I, I turned 50 and I had, a, had to have a hip replaced. 
Yeah, and I had the x-rays in January and had my hip replaced in March, not because of the great NHS, but because I had the cover and the protection to get it fixed quickly. So I didn't have to spend years uh, suffering, waiting to get on a list. And I hate to think what it is at the moment. But particularly for people in the States, which is you know the, obviously the area that you provide cover, if you could give either of you, and I'll open this question to either of you, you know, if you could give people one thing to move them from where they are now to thinking more about their, their health, because as, as you said, David, it's not just their own health, is it? You know, if you're the entrepreneur and you're a business owner, there are those other ecosystems of your employees, their families, their kids. Brady, you, know, you could have been an employee and that could have been, I could have been your boss, but how that has affected you would affect your performance in my business as well, wouldn't it? So what would you say to shift people from where they are uh, towards doing something about healthcare in the US? So the, um, the, the, if there's one piece of advice, it would be figure out how to get meaningful access to healthcare. And when I say meaningful, I mean, it fits with your ecosystem. And it's not just access um, that takes six months. Think mm. about continual access. So if the interface with your healthcare system is an urgent care and, and that costs $150, $200, um, you're going to, it, it might, you might get a 15 minute appointment once a month or once a quarter or after things yeah. get bad, like in Brady's case. But what if you did have continuous access? Just like, any physician has for their family, they have, their family has continuous access to healthcare. I would much rather have uh, a two minute phone call with somebody um, every day. If yes. I had to, if somebody was sick, then not see them for two weeks. We would do more help yeah. for them. If we took a two minute phone call every day for somebody who's sick, than a two hour appointment every two weeks for the, for some people and the best interface uh, for the healthcare system is not an appointment in the doctor's office. That is the most inefficient form of interface with Brady's ecosystem. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. In the healthcare system, the interface was that urgent care visit. It was an inefficient way to do it. It took it took him two weeks or, to get into it. The best yeah. interface, as he mentioned, was this. Yeah. We use this yeah. interface with everything else. Why yeah. not? Will we schedule our hair salons and whatever and our yeah. nails? And, Right. This is this is and, and just talk and, and for the listeners, what David's holding up there is his phone. You know, and that's that's that is it, isn't it? You know, we we have app, apps, we have so, phone. We coined this term internally where it's free continuous access. For access to be continuous it has to be free. Right. For you to be able to interact with the healthcare system, in this case redirect health, you would have to have access you can get to every minute of every day, 24 seven, English and Spanish. I mean, that is what continuous access to us means. It's not yeah. you make an appointment to go see a doctor. That, that, that is an interface and it's, it's better than nothing, but it's an inefficient interface that was fine 30 years ago. But ever since uh, Steve Jobs made the iPhone, it's yeah. no longer, the, the doctor's <laughs> office is no longer the best interface for the healthcare system and people die every single day. Um, I will tell you uh, one challenge that, that we had um, that I've never never thought in a million years I'd ever experienced, but it is top of my mind. I'm watching it for now all the time and I still never expect it to happen again. But um, we had a, a client in, um, in Tennessee 
who was having some chest like pain and or or shortness of breath and yeah. we sent him to the emergency room and a normal thing and we did we thought it was just precautionary nothing would happen when we got there yeah. however when we got to the emergency room um the emergency room had the covid situation in i think it was nashville it just spiked and they were worried about their icu beds so they turned them away and in transport to the next hospital i think in his own car he had a massive heart attack and died wow but that doesn't happen in in america when you're yeah. when you're sent to an emergency room where yeah. a normal ekg could be done but to then be just told hey no we were too busy we're worried about this surge of covid yeah. um and when i looked the next day at tennessee it was bright red and nashville was bright red just for that day or two days yeah. um but that's an issue where the supply chain got messed up yeah and we often forget the supply how important the supply chain is in creating meaningful access to healthcare, yeah. and where the phone might be great for initial triage or a cough or cold or pink eye um there's other the emergency room sometimes has to be the interface with the, with the program, yeah. with, with the, with the uh, system. Yeah. And we're seeing over and over again, that the logistics of healthcare is going to make the difference between life and death. And I think COVID pushed that to the forefront, yeah. but it still existed prior to COVID yeah. that in Brady's case, what happens, the system let him down because the logistics weren't quite yeah. synced up. And I think, I think, you know, for the, you know, and obviously I know your provision is in, in the U S uh, and we'll talk about how people connect to you in, in a moment before we get onto the sort of final question, but the, it's interesting because I think the listeners, wherever you are in the world, whatever country you're in, whatever health system you have, whatever choices you're going to make tomorrow or next week about healthcare. I think what David said there is really, really important. If you're going to choose somebody for the provider of your healthcare, if you're like I am very privileged in the UK to have the health service we, we have, we have a service called 111. Uh, I think that meaningful access is critical to that decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And not having to wait for an appointment is one thing, getting that appointment quicker, but being able just to check something, run something by somebody. You know? And it's strange, you know, I, I've done this, as you were telling the story there, yeah, I've done this very recently, with a vet and my dog where we literally we had a dog who was in a real pickle and we were able to ring the vet up and have a conversation and that conversation mm -hmm. meant such a big difference to the solution that we went off towards so having that meaningful access and that uh, immediate access i think is important and like you say having it on a phone being able to call have an app anything like that is absolutely critical it's very very low cost. We don't don't have to pay the, for the real estate and the receptionist yeah. and the costs come down. Yeah. And but we but it does involve um, in the America anyway changing the, the business model. Yeah. In the mindset. Because right now the business model is, is around appointments and the more appointments you have, the more services you do, the more revenue there is for multiple people in the in the uh, system. So in the redirect health system, it's the reverse. We all do better when there's less activity that's unnecessary and the right activity when it is necessary. And that's what our focus is on it. And the logistics of getting that, creating that activity or, or getting that service. Yeah. That's where our focus is. So, so to help the, the listeners who I think recognize that shift that's needed in the, in, in the system and the process and, and the structure of uh, sort of corporate health, what where did they find information about you guys where did they find out how um 
they can change their mindset and get that meaningful access and change what they're doing, their actions, their activity. How, how do they get it? Obviously, you've got a, a book or two books out, um, but where, where do the listeners go? Where would you like anybody in the US that's listening to this right now? And I encourage anybody outside of the US to go and find some provision and find that meaningful access without question. But from your point of view, David and Brady, where do people in the US go to find you? Well, the website that we have set up to, to inform, answer questions, FAQs, we have a lot of videos up there that have even case specific, what happens if this, uh, that's at selfemployed.health. Okay. So the, the domain is, is health.health. So selfemployed.health. And we have all sorts of ways to contact us. We have all sorts of things you can read about there to understand how it works. And I'll, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of summarize what David was saying, but from a consumer perspective, you know, we're, we're here talking on a Zoom call. This is not new. Hmm. This is not, you know, flagship technology anymore. Everybody knows how to do this. Uh, and you think about how many times you've talked to your doctor, how many times could that conversation have happened in the privacy of your own home rather than going somewhere, spending a bunch of money, sitting next to other people who are sick in the waiting room, right? <laughs> now, I'm not saying that sometimes you don't need to do that because sometimes you do. Like, I can't go get tested for... for well, whatever. I can't, I can't go get blood drawn yeah. virtually, right? I got to go somewhere to do that. Yeah. But, uh, but how many of the conversations we have with our doctor could be done this way. And that's not just less expensive for me and the whole system, the system, most, most players in the system aren't trying to make it less expensive, right? Yeah. They're trying to make it less expensive for them, for their profits. If you're the insurance company, but they, they don't mind you going to the doctor, to the office and charging you 150 or $200. But I mind that if I just need to have a conversation with a doctor and tell him or her how I'm feeling and then have them, you know, make some suggestions or whatever, if I can do that virtually, that's what I want, right? If that helps keep my monthly costs low uh, and if it helps me do it at a convenient time for me, the last time I talked to a doctor was 11 o'clock at night in my bedroom on my, on my, hmm. you know, I was looking at her on my phone and she prescribed hmm. me something. I had a sinus infection. I went and picked up the prescriptions, uh, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes away. And I, from, from, 45 minutes from the time I decided I needed to talk to a doctor to, to the time I was going to bed. I mean, well, I'm not saying that correctly. It took me 45 minutes to get yeah. antibiotics in my system and start going to bed. Wow. And, and that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we have the technology to do that and it's less expensive. So, so we know where to go. Um, David, your book that you mentioned, is that available through that website as well? I know a lot of listeners like to get their hands on books. I will make it available. Brady, you have to remind me and I'll, I'll give you the link. Okay. Yeah. So let, let me have the link as well. And uh, any links to the book and to the website, drop them over to me and I'll make sure that they're in the, the show notes and go out to the listeners as well. Sure. By, this get, by the time this gets aired, it'll be there. So just yeah. assume that it's Perfect. there. Perfect. Great. So just give us the website again. Selfemployed.health. Self-employed.health. Yep. Fantastic. So if you're in the US, you know where to go to get this sorted. If you're outside of the US, think about where you go yeah. to get that meaningful access. Do something. Do not fall into the trap that many of us have fallen into, not just Brady, in the fantastic story that he shared. Do not let health get in the way of enjoying your life, looking after your family. And don't let those pennies and those spreadsheets and the business mentality that many of us have get in the way of saving lives and, and living a healthy life. Uh, last question then, just before we wrap this up. Uh, if you're going to have your next coffee and you could have it in a dream location, Brady, what would your dream location be to have that, that coffee? 
I can see it so clearly in my mind. I, I love backpacking and I live near the Rocky mountains. So in the summer I throw on my backpack, I go out for a few days. And if I'm sitting at the base of a big peak near a lake or near my campsite or near my hammock and waking up in the morning and stretching and getting loose and drinking a coffee that I made on my backpacking stove, that's heaven for me. So that's where I'd have my next coffee. If I could a dream coffee, David, what about you? Um, by far my favorite place is on the deck of a cabin in the mountains of Northern Arizona with my wife. Fantastic. Can I ask, would it be sunrise sunset? I get a feeling there's a time of day that might be better for that. Oh, it'd be first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Fantastic. Great. Well, I really do appreciate you both giving us a time. You're giving us some great things to think about and uh, some stories I think that should inspire every single listener to do something make a change take some action go out there and look after protect and get the access to that uh, health care uh, and that information on your health that you need uh, and i think thank you very much for giving up your time i really do appreciate you both and the the knowledge and the stories that you've shared it's been an absolute pleasure thank you simon you're welcome simon uh, listeners as always do something with what you've heard today you know, if you're not going to take action from today, if you're not going to reach out to these guys, if you're in the US to find out more, if you're not going to take action on your own health in any kind of way, then you've wasted all of our time here today. So do some it. It's a really important topic. It's one that you can hear the passion and enthusiasm behind this uh, in, in all of us today. Do something with it. And of course, I look forward to having you, as always, on the next podcast. Bye for now. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Simon. I, th I think we managed to direct that where we wanted it to go, hopefully. Well, we appreciate but you doing let, that. Let me have the links as well. Um, and yeah, okay. I, I have got another call that I've got to get and uh, jump on pretty quickly um, over in Australia now, uh, their early morning. But one of the things I will say is that what I'll do is it will be about four or five weeks uh, for it to go live. But about a week and a half, two weeks before that, I will uh, message both of you with the links uh, and tell you when it's going to be scheduled. Uh, it is your podcast. So if there's anything that you think, oh, do you know what? If I could just bottle what, I, what Brady's just said there and put that into a recording, please download it, cut it, paste it. It's your content. Do what you want with it. If you can find a use for it somewhere else, then please do so. Okay. Super, um, thank you. And yeah, yeah. Let me have um, any, any links, but I will I will put the link in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'll it'll get pushed out there, and hopefully it will get you on a platform where more people will reach out to you. Just to be clear, which links do you want? So I'm going to have the link for Dave's book on the website. Do you want a link specifically just, for that, or just, do you want? No, just 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 remind me because I should probably um, lose track of it. I haven't made note of it, but sure. if you could just remind, just drop me a message and just remind me of the of the website link that I've been. You great. got it. Yeah. Super. Thank you, Simon. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Speak to you soon. Thanks, David. Bye bye. Thanks, bye bye.